0: right between uh, Hebrews and, and 1 Peter, if you're reading the NLT, it's page 992. If you're not reading the NLT, I'm sorry. You should be. Just joking. That was a joke, guys. James chapter 5. Hard group. Hard group. All right. I'm going to title this message today, and it's going to be brief because, like I said, we have a lot of ground to cover today. Actually, we're going to hear from Gideon Lim. Uh, he's going to give a, a, a brief snapshot testimony, and I don't want to take the thunder, so we're going to pass it over to him uh, really soon. So it's going to feel like we're tracking pretty fast, but I just buckle in, hold on, uh, and we're going to get there. It's going to be awesome. But I'm, again, I'm going to title this message, Two is Better Than One. Okay? Two is better than one. James five thirteen. James writes this, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Now right out the door, James, in my observation... <laughs> Gets it wrong. Why? Because the last thing I want to do, in the midst of suffering hardships, is go to prayer. I don't know if I'm alone in that, but it's not necessarily my go-to. You know, it's not like, man, life is a little hard, and I think I'm going to go to prayer. But right out the door, James says, listen, if you're suffering hardships, go to the Lord in prayer. I'm working on it. I got to be honest. I'm working on it. It's not easy. It's not necessarily the first thing I want to do when I feel like the pressure. Of life is squeezing in on all sides. Am I alone in that? I don't think I'm alone. Am I alone though? Am I alone? Am I the only one? Okay, Will's with me. Let's look at the Greek meaning or definition of the word hardships. Again, I'm going to be going very fast, but again, because it's already late and we got a lot of ground to cover. So here's the Greek meaning of hardships according to James. It's a malice disposition, properly experiencing painful hardship, suffering that seems to be a setback. Really isn't. That's, is, am I let, let's do it again. A malice disposition properly experiencing painful hardship that seems to be a setback, but really isn't. <laughs> we we sometimes glorify our hardships, don't we? We kind of like idolize those things. We're like, I can't do anything. I just wanna... I'm going to close myself in my room and darken the shades. Woe is me. We seem to overemphasize hardship. But according to James here, he's saying, listen, it may appear as a setback, but trust me, it's not. And we can only see that at the other side of experiencing that hardship, can't we? We necessarily can't see it in the process, but when we get to the other side, and luckily, in this chapter, James gives us an example. If we look just a couple of verses back, chapter 5, verse 10, he gives us an example of somebody who suffered many hardships. We are probably already know where we're going. For examples of patience, verse 10 in James chapter 5, for examples of patience and suffering, Dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Verse 11, we give great honor to those who endured under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. So, I'm assuming here that everybody is familiar in some way with the book of Job. I mean, that, that's maybe a long shot, but we don't have time to go over it. But listen, the book of Job defined Job as the man of suffering. This dude went through some serious hardship in his life. And you know, it, it didn't start off that way because the start of his life, he actually had it all together. He was favored by God. He was rich, his family. He's got Servants. He's, he's the man. He's a rock star. And then all of a sudden, the Lord lifts his hand and allows Satan to go and try to challenge Job's faith and his resolve by shaking his life, by presenting or bringing Job into suffering and hardship. Sorry, suffering hardship. In... The story goes like this, just briefly summarizing. God, or Satan, took everything from Job. And God allowed it. God allowed it. Satan took his family. He took his riches. He took his wealth. He took everything. He took his health. Job was a man who suffered much. But you know what? Hindsight, the story goes that God gave back double to Job what he, what he hadn't had starting off, if that makes sense. If that makes sense. So God blesses Job with, with astronomical, if you would, blessings later on in the story. But in the meantime, Job was feeling the pressure. He was under our experiencing, our suffering hardships. So we have an example in Job. We have an example to say this. Although we may feel pressed in, although we may feel like life is hard, we have an example in Job of what endurance. That although it appears to be a setback, it's really not. That's exactly what James is saying. And he's he's using Job as an example. What an example if you're familiar with the book of Job, the story of Job's life. What an example. It's wild, because in all honesty, looking at that book, I would say, man, you know, because why? I mean, I don't necessarily sit and point a finger at God and blame God when I go through hardship, but I certainly sit back and say, God, oh, why would you let this happen? I mean, I'm not sitting there saying, it's all your fault, but certainly, sometimes I like to, but I don't, but in me, I say, Why? But, you know, this isn't even the really the, this is just the first half of my message, and it really has nothing to do with where we're going, but still it's just as important. Why? Because what sometimes appears as though it sets us back or derails us or, or when we want to be going forward, we seem like we're going backwards. It's not that at all. It's just the Lord pruning us. It's just the Lord doing his work. I had a couple just this week, a couple of things that, man, I man, they were hard on my heart. I was like, oh, why? What is happening? Have, have you really called me to do this work? You know, and I, I, had to, I had to look at it through the light or that situation through the light of this text and say, Lord, although it appears as though it's a setback, it's not. It's really a promotion. It's really me going forward. And that may seem trite if you're here today. And you are suffering hardships. But friend, trust me. On the other side, if you hold on and come through, there's glory. And there might even be more than what you started off with in the first place. God might add to you more than what you had before you experienced that hardship. Come on. That's what I want. So it's worth it. It's worth it, friend. It's worth it. So consider Job. Consider Job, friend, when you go through that time of pressing, that time of suffering hardship. Consider his endurance, and then think about what the Lord did later in his life. It's glorious. It's glorious. Let's go uh, again a little bit uh, further in the text after thirteen, the second half of thirteen, James chapter five, thirteen. We're going to go on. We're going to get into the crux of this, and then we're going to invite Gideon to speak. He goes on to say, Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Makes sense. <laughs> Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you had, have committed sins, you will be forgiven. Verse 16 Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might or may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Father, we thank you for the word of God. And we thank you for this promise we find here in James. Lord, I ask God that you would... Be here in our midst, Lord, and that there would be clarity upon my words, Jesus, and that you would touch hearts, Lord, as you teach us, Lord, that accountability is good, that transparency is wonderful. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. There's, in my opinion, although it's much broader there are three probably major titles or subjects that James talks about in just these couple of paragraphs. And it's this, suffering, prayer, and confession. Suffering, prayer, and confession. Again, it's not the totality of what James is saying, but it's, it's really the foundation of what James goes after here in 13 through 17 suffering, prayer, and confession. And I want to I lend a little light or give a little light to the confession part of what James is talking about. And as we go on in the surface, it will make sense as Gideon gives his testimony why we're doing this. First of all, on verse 16, let's just say this, that James does not say, if you confess your sins to each other, you will be healed, does he? You know, oftentimes, I, working with you and working and being in the ministry for a long time now, when you hit this portion of Scripture, when you talk about this text, you get some of the guys and some of the girls that come to you and say, you know, I've tried the whole accountability thing. I tried it. It just didn't work. You know, I, I, I had a brother three years ago now, but he was uh, part of our community. He had he was struggling uh, with a a perversion really and he wouldn't mind me saying this because the guy was so transparent but it was it was it was laughable when he would come to me why and he would even laugh because he was confessing and confessing but it was still happening and happening and the confession was not breaking anything loose in his life bringing things to the light was not enough to break the power of that perversion and it, it 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 became to be interesting to me because in light of this text, I said, God, I, I thought that if we confess our sins to each other, we might be healed. But I overlooked something in just looking at the verse. I oversaw something, and I don't know how. Maybe it's just because I want it to be that easy <laughs> that I overlooked it. But I, I was like, what, what am I missing here? Because it's really been the thing that I've always told young men and young women when they're looking for some form of confession, or when they're looking for some form of accountability, I'm like, hey, we got hope. Listen, James 5 says. But it's not at all. James doesn't say it in any way, under any circumstances, that if we confess our sins to each other, that the Lord will heal us. Let's read what he actually says. He said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that what? You may be healed. So it's not necessarily that... There's freedom in confession, but it's the starting point. I don't know about you, but when some comes, somebody excuse me, comes to me with brokenness or hardship or sit in their life, and I, I feel like there's a heart of repentance, I get a little bit sensitive. I'm like, wow, first of all, let me just thank you for coming to me. Thank you for, for bringing this light. Why? Because it's a rarity. But it's not just enough that we stay in this kind of area of confession and just keep it there. No, i, I got to pray with him now. i got to use that, that sensitivity now that the Lord started in my heart and say, Brother, I, I want to pray for you. And not just once, but can, I want to continue praying for you. And sometimes we think that, you know, if we just confess and we bring things to the light, that that's going to be the end all, and hopefully we'll be able to experience some healing or deliverance. No, it's not. It's a starting point, but it's not really crossing the finish line. So James says, listen, confess your sins to each other. This is good, but also, also pray for each other so that what? you can be healed. And you have to imagine that James is linking them together, confession and prayer, and that what we're praying together is not just for the Red Sox to win the World Series, but we're actually praying for what this young man or young woman just came to us with, with sorrow in their hearts, wanting to bring things to the light. Accountability works mingled with prayer. So James gives us the assurance that confession brings healing. James instructs us to to the confession of sin with each other. And from the place of confession, pray for each other, what? That we may be healed. And honestly, he brings up that whole healed thing with prayer about two times, just in this short little prayer graph. It's all about caring for one another. It's all about being connected. It's all about those who are suffering hardships. Again, we have to make the connection because in light of this text, we have to know that suffering is just not something hard we're going through, although it can be, and most likely is. But in light of what James is saying, this person is suffering hardship because of sin. Because later on the text, he brings that whole element out confess your sins to each other and pray for one another. You may be healed. Let's uh, look briefly at Ecclesiastes I hope I pronounce it Ecclesiastes um, 4 7, one more verse and then Gideon if you can get ready. Here's what's written in verse 7. I observe yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of man of a man who is all alone, without child or brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can, but then he asked himself Who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless in depression depress depressing, excuse me. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close to each other can keep each other warm. It's true for all you single people. Don't worry, you'll get there soon. But how can one be warm alone? Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. These are, uh, sorry, three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. There's this principle here in just this little two paragraphs that two is better than one. and Three is even better. It's, it's the whole thing is... I got your back, you got mine. Listen, people have seen enough organization building in the church, but they have yet to see really family, brothers coming together, sisters coming together. Why? Simply this. I got your back, you got mine. I don't want it. listen, if I'm suffering hardship, if I'm if I am in darkness, if I am in isolated. It is a dangerous place to be. But if I have my brother Fabiano or Will or Noah, and I bring those things to light, I'm no longer just to myself and my own thoughts. But I, I have my brother's concern. I have his heart. And therefore, not only do I have his heart, but he begins to to care for me. Why? Because any one of us under our right mind is going to care for somebody who's actually hurting. Right? Any one of us, if somebody comes to you, if I came to you today and said, hey, Fabiana, I'm going through this, I, the last thing he's going to do is reject me. It's probably going to grow our bond of family even stronger. It's probably going to grow and bond us heart to heart even better. It's been my experience with confession. It's been my experience with accountability. It it, it always feels uncertain, and there's a certain amount of fear when you're going to do it. But once you do it, friend, you're bringing something to the light. And I'm not just harping on sin. I'm actually talking about accountability, family. I want to know you. I want to have your back. And you know what? I want you to have mine. Isolation, friend, is a scary thing. It's a scary place to be. And honestly, in the midst of sin, it's the first thing the devil tries to do. Get you away. Pull you away. You can always tell when when somebody's just, something's not right. It's like, They're like, I call them the two week, five week people. They're here for two weeks, they're gone for five. And then they're back in two weeks. And usually, when they come back, they look interesting. They look rather depressed. And honestly, whatever happened in that five week, they finally, they finally came to me and said, Oh, man, you don't know, man. I uh, had five weeks, I, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure why you weren't here for five weeks. In my heart, but on church attendance, yes. But it's something more than that isolation. Come on. And we can, oh, I was just busy. I was just, you know, busy. Right. So, You're you're more busy than the president, friend. I mean, is there not any time? I haven't seen you for three months. What's going on? But usually, the trend is this that there's something going on that's caused that person to pull away. I'm just going to pull away. Get away. There's something going on, and usually that's what we find. Friend, if there's nothing else that God does in our community, My prayer is this, is that he builds family. He builds this Ecclesiastes-type understanding that if I fall on my own, I hope I have somebody there. (laughs) At this time, I'm going to ask Gideon to come up and share a couple words with us. Gideon.
1: Hello. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to share my testimony. Um, I personally do not, at least for this testimony, I am not going to make it pretty. I am not going to package it because I think that takes away, you know, it kind of, you to try to make it seem nice and politically correct. But that kind of takes away from the truth, right? So I'm going to say it straight on. So I struggle. <laughs> I Okay, I struggle with homosexuality. I'll say it again. I struggle, and this is still struggle, with homosexuality. You know, um, I remember the first time when I had to tell this testimony to, um, it was really hard. I was like, you know, no, 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 just absolutely not. Because this is something that is considered very shameful in our society. This is considered something very appalling. Somehow, this sin looks bigger. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, you're homosexual. Oh yeah, um, you're gonna, I'm gonna judge you. I'm, if you're a guy, you know, and like, I'm gonna stay cl- away from you and everything. But the thing is, I feel that first and foremost, the Bible said that no sin is greater, right? And honestly, I think growing up was really hard for me because. I couldn't tell anybody about this. I couldn't tell my family because they would be disappointed. I couldn't tell my friends because they would probably, you know, desert me. I couldn't tell my church because my old church, at least, back, um, they like to spread things like that in the context of prayer. You know, oh, pray for this person because he's suffering from this. And, you know, and so long story short. And um, so I really couldn't tell anybody. So I remember I was 14 I struggled with this when I was 12, sorry, 12. So when I was 14, I was sitting on the playground, and I was like, I'm not telling anybody. I'm not telling anybody, because first and foremost, it's stupid, in a sense, you know what I mean? To tell someone what you're struggling with. The world teaches us to puff ourselves up, to make us look, you know, that we are strong, that we can do this, and do not tell anyone your weaknesses. Um, I started looking at pornography, at age 12, started engaging in masturbation at stage age 12. Um, this obviously, I didn't want to tell anybody. Um, it was a huge struggle. I mean, I'm like 23 years now. So it's, um, I stopped just last year. Um, it's been a huge struggle. So 10 years. But the thing is, it's not that I am forever delivered. I am still going through this. You know what I mean? I'm still going through this. And I think the thing about it is I was so afraid of rejection that I didn't want to tell anybody as I said. And so um, one day um, I was at a prayer meet. Um, I just started, you know, praying. And, you know, I'm like, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was, it was, it was not in j It was in my school. Um, and so this guy, he came up to me. He was like, I think there's something you should tell me. I'm like, what do you want to know? You know, All right. yeah. And he was like, there's something deep in your heart that you have, like, you know, not told anybody before. And I'm like, I knew exactly what he'd say. And I'm like, okay, first off, I don't know you. And secondly, why would I tell you everything? But he, he said that he, he pursued me for a whole month, just kept asking me, how was your day? Is anything troubling you? I'm like, no, no, you know. And, like, I honestly kind of really did not like him after that. I'm like, so get away, you know what I mean? Like. Like, dude, what's your deal? You know what I mean? And then, finally, I felt the call to just share everything with him. I took, let me tell you, I took like one hour to warm up. You know how you guys, like, when you're talking to your accountability buddy, you need to warm up a bit. You know, like, oh, you know, this and that. And suddenly, you're just like, oh! <laughs> so, I took an hour to warm up to him. Um, <laughs> I remember, yeah, I, I was so scared physically. Like, every ounce, every bit of my flesh was like, Why? Why tell? You know what I mean? He's going to judge you, no matter how much you say, no matter how much you think about it. Because no, you're already talking to him. He knows what happens. He's going to judge you. You know what I mean? Regardless of what he says, he's going to judge you. The thing is, <laughs> not only did he not judge me, like Daryl said, our relationship grew so much closer. It's because... I I was hearing from God one day. I was praying about it, and I was like, you know, God, like, why, why didn't you make me a man? I'm like, why, why am I not a man in a sense? And I kept asking God, and I guess kept asking God in a prayer, why am I not a man? Why am, I, why am I? And then God was like, who says you're not a man? And I was like, wait, who says you're not a man? And God was like, I mean, I, this is what I heard from God. He says. Who told you you're not a man? And I had to really backtrack. Nobody said I was not a man. The world kept telling us stories that if you are homosexual, or if you are struggling from a homosexuality, you are a homosexual, right? If you are struggling from this, you are that. But let me tell you that my identity is not homosexual. I may be struggling from it, but my identity stems from a child of God because it's so. <laughs> It's interesting because I was thinking about it. I'm like, so how did I come with this mentality? The world does not condemn you if you're homosexual, right? God does not condemn the person if he's homosexual. It's us Christians that condemn people. We hate, we are so scared of this, we don't talk about it. And it felt like, to me at least, that the church condemned it so much, it condemned the sinner and the sin. You know, like how many times I've heard people talk about it. I've seen so many people say, share about their testimonies around the same as mine. Like, like um, you know, you'll get over it. I'm like, how do you get healed? How do you get healed? He was like, you know, one day it just happened. I just got healed. I'm like, okay. Will it happen for me? And they're like, I don't know. Just keep praying about it. So just keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. And I came to a conclusion myself after recognizing what happened. It's when some, if somebody ever asked me when I got healed, it's every five minutes. Every five minutes, I get healed. Every five minutes, I'm like, God, I surrender myself to you again. Every five minutes. It's, a, it's not like I'm done. I'm huge, you know, yes. Because I'm like, God, just take this struggle away, right? Take it all away. Because it honestly <laughs> sucks. And, um, like, I'm like, God, take it all away because like, isn't it so much joyous if I can worship you, if I'm free, if, I'm, if I love you and I'm not sinning and everything, but why do I have this? You know what I mean? Isn't this that big thing that is not allowing me to connect back to you? And then <laughs> I, I was really sobbing when I heard this part. When I heard God say, speak to me, he said that, but isn't it more joyous that I walk you out of it? that you don't need. If I just, I can, I can take it away, but where's the glory in that? I can take it away, but what do you get out of that? And isn't it more loving that he puts his shoulder around you and walks through the valley instead of just making the valley disappear? And I was just <laughs> in shock because I'm like, God, I really understand what it means now that my strength is my weakness. You know, I was at One Thing uh, Conference 2012. (laughs) That was funny. I was praying a prayer. Guys, remember to check and remember to really understand what you're praying because I was praying to be, God, make me more vulnerable. And I'm like, God, make me more vulnerable, not knowing this would happen. I'm like, God, make me more vulnerable, you know. And then, um, and so I was like, okay. And and after that, he was like, okay, so... Share your testimony. I'm like, my testimony is boring. I was born in a Christian family and blah, 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 blah. And he was like, you're watering down your testimony because of fear. And I'm like, oh, wait, you mean my full testimony? I was so (laughs) scared. I'm like, you know that I'm not telling anyone because the Bible said there's accountability buddy, but I thought I kind of made myself think God's my accountability buddy, right? So, and I don't need anybody else. I have three people, you know? God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Who needs more, you know? (laughs) And so... um, (laughs) but God gave us community for a reason you know community and like there is a reason why we are not struggling alone there's a reason why like I can talk to Israel, I can talk to John Howard anybody about this it's because they don't judge you they love you even more and your relationship just goes so much stronger. <laughs> I remember the first time I was sucked into this. It was in my school. Um, oh gosh, it was it was so scary. Like I was shivering. You could see the YouTube video. <laughs> I but in the in the um, I had before I shared then, right? I I, I was my, every day I was in my bed. I could not sleep because I was thinking about oh my gosh, th- that that eventful day. You know, I'm gonna get you know judged or anything. And so, like, I, I, had a, I keep thinking I was in that exact spot. I kept doing this when I was sharing. I'm like, well, what's this? What's this right thing with my, you know, fist clenched? I'm like, God, what, why, why are you showing me this? Why are you showing me doing this? And then he said, because when you pray, that when you want to share it, that I'll never let go of you, and that my hand was always on you. I cry a lot. I'm sorry. You guys don't know that. But I was on my bed. I was just like, ah. you know, like, I now understand what it means. When, and before I share it, to, the first time I shared, it, but I now understand what it meant to be to say, God, like, when Jesus was at the garden, I said, like, I mean, Lord, take this away. God, this is painful. This hurts. Take it away. But ultimately, let your will be done. Because your glory is more important than... <laughs> it's still it's so scary telling you. Like, I have no idea why I'm still here. I have no idea why I said yes to Daryl. I, I, I have no idea why I even told you. <laughs> I, <laughs> um it's still so scary. I mean, I've been telling people about this, and if anybody wants to approach me, I'll tell them. But it is still so hard to tell this, even though I I I'll just numb myself through it. But I'm, I thank God that I'm not numb, because if I'm numb, I don't understand the glory and the strength that comes through my vulnerability. Yeah. And, um... Like there, is, there is a big difference, right, like I said, when you're struggling with something and your identity. So I encourage all of us, because this is what happened to me. When I told somebody I'm struggling, when I told people before, before even, uh, when I told, no wait, give me a sec, timeline. Ah, So before I told anybody, I, you know you would think that people struggling, let's say, with this becomes this. Let's just say in my case, I struggle homosexually, therefore I am a homosexual. But, you know, God has to really like, strip that down like, no. No. Your identity stems from a child of God. So what does that mean? That temptation can come in all sorts of curveballs. It can come in all sorts of angles, right? But that doesn't mean you're sinning. Unless you indulge in the sin, unless you keep thinking about it and act upon it, that is sin. But the devil always, at least for me, He kept telling me, as long as I thought about it, I'm a sinner. But then all of us know that at least that's not the case. That Jesus has already paid the price. Because for the longest time, I thought I was a slave to that. You are not a slave anymore if you know Jesus. And that Jesus has taken everything away. He has cleansed you. But the thing is, your mentality still falls back Still fall fallbacks on the, you know, this is my past. And so what does it make me? And it's so hard to be renewed. You know, what does what the, the Bible verse, I think it was Romans 12:2 that says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed with the renewing of your minds. I know that, but how do I be transformed in the renewing of my own mind, you know? How do I stop myself from saying, sinning, in a sense? And the key is knowing Jesus. It's not, it's not a thing about you know, an instant, it is an instant thing that you are healed. But to really shift the perspective of your mentality, it's talking to Jesus every day. It's not only just saying, Jesus, heal me, but Jesus, saying "Jesus, saying to him, like, I love you. This is what happened today. And I'm going to give you all the glory. I thank you for everything that's happened today. It's a conversation. And I realized that I have, in a sense, I made my struggle so big... That I, I, all I talked to God was about my struggle. And the way that I felt that I got spiritually healed was when I realized that I'm just going to talk to God. My struggle's getting smaller and smaller and smaller when I talk to God. And it becomes smaller. I'm, it's still there. But, you know, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> I have Jesus. And, um, uh let's see. Um oh yeah, <laughs> this is funny. Um so I was I was at one thing conference, right? And I was I was like, Oh I'm gonna get a prophecy. Oh, you know, those prophecies. Yeah. Let me tell you, prophecies actually make things harder. Oh my gosh. And so <laughs> um when and somebody said when the prophet the person prophesying with me said I was a warrior, I'm like pfft seen me I'm like so skinny I'm like I can't carry a battle wax I'm like you know like you know I was thinking like a warrior and I'm like have you I'm like look look, like now you see me now you don't right and so <laughs> um but God was like <laughs> I'm like God why do you call me a warrior why do you call me that and he's and he told me that a warrior is a man whose strength is his vulnerability um, and he was like, "Your parents did not name you Gideon for no coincidence." <laughs> and so, I'll, and you know, you know, you know the story about Gideon, right? That you know, he doubt, he was afraid, and you know, was he physically strong? I'm not sure, but um, so, in the, so I think if I want to, I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. I'm sorry, did I take too much time? Okay, <laughs> like. um. I remember God saying this to me. I was like, I'm not going to share this because everybody I know who have shared this are done with it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, they're like, how do you do this? And I'm like, I'm here. And now everybody who I spoke to who have struggled with this are now married and now have kids. And now they're like, I'm done with that. You know, at least that was what I thought. And then he said, Jesus said to me, I mean, at least God said to me, that I want you to be a forerunner to share your struggle in the midst of walking it. Because when, I, 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 when I, I told that to my friends, and people have told me that because of that, they decided to open up to me about their own struggles because I was in the midst. There's a big difference standing on the other side and saying, take these steps, these steps, these steps, these steps, and saying, I'm walking with you. Right? Like I also encourage all of you. It may be any struggle you have, but when you're with someone, when you're, when you're walking with through someone, don't just so read the Bible, do this, pray, 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 you know. Listen, pray. And always say that I'm walking with you through this, because when my friend told me that it changed, it really changed my heart. I'm like, "You're not judging me?" And he said that. Even if I wanted to judge you, I cannot judge you because of what you have said. And friends, like, the reason why I'm telling you this, it's because, to be honest, this is the greatest gift of love I can give you as a friend, is being vulnerable, like 100% just myself. I think that's the greatest gift of love I can give you. I can... I can, I can do stuff for you. I can make stuff for you or buy you something. But if I really consider you as a friend, I would share my life with you. And so whether or not you judge me after this, I have Jesus. <laughs> I love you guys. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, I, this one, I think one thing I want to say, really recap, is a man is strong when he's vulnerable. That was what I learned. That when God called me a warrior, it was not because I was physically buff, you know? But it's because I felt that I was strong when I can tell people about my weakness. That my weakness does not hinder me. My weakness strengthens me. Oh, be that. <laughs> and so, um, give me a second. Yeah, um, I thought I was failing God's plan for the longest time, you know. I thought I was failing God's plan. I'm like, God, this sin. It never gets me towards you, right? I thought I was, like, failing. But the thing is, God is <laughs> supreme. He knows you. And he said, in what way, when you are coming to me, say, are you saying, are you telling me that you're failing my plan? In what way, in... in <laughs> in surrender, in what way, in telling me, telling God, that your failing is a failure. I thought that was a success. Like what Daryl said, it is not only the accountability, but it's also when you walk with someone, when you pray with someone. I can't believe I'm telling you this all right now. I'm I'm still in a a shot of why. I'm telling anybody this, <laughs> but it's a beautiful struggle, right? Sin, if you think about it, it's a beautiful struggle because the devil can take anything away, right, from you if he wants, I mean, if God allows him, but the best part about Jesus that I think is so cool is that he can take whatever that's the worst and make it the best, right? And so, like, that is like, I don't know, I thought that's was such a cool, you know, if I want a superpower, that's going to be it. <laughs> I mean, how, how cool is that? He can take the worst of me to become the best of me. And so that's why I say it's a beautiful struggle, and that's why I say, conf- like, confess your sins to your brothers and your sisters. Obviously, no, obviously, Christian brothers and sisters, um, Christian brothers and sisters who love you, and you know who they, you know who they are in your heart. You know who they, and if you don't, pray about it, because <laughs> you should have more accountability partners than God. Just saying, you know talk to people, but most importantly as when you want to surrender your heart, understand that you're surrendering to your heart to God alone. You know, that people may make you feel like poop, or whatever. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> may make you feel bad. But there's a victory in confession. And I am a living testimony on that. So, yeah.
0: Thank you Gideon. You know, for some of that us that might have been a little hard to take, but I um, just want to encourage us Gideon's leaving this Sunday so you can't really, you know, hold it against him. <laughs> you got to love him now. Great testimony, Gideon. But he is leaving. He's going to Singapore to serve at the House of Prayer in Singapore, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, when Gideon was sharing, this quick little scripture jumped out to mind. It says in First John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now declare to you, God is the light, and in him there is no darkness. At all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not participating or practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And here's the balance. In verse 8, he goes on to say, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for Gideon. We thank you for these few passages and these moments that we share together. God, I ask, Lord, that you would bring us, Lord, as a community into a family, God, that you would knit our hearts together, Lord, that as Gideon... In his testimony, Lord, we see the vulnerability and the transparency. Lord, that he chose to walk in and walk through with many of us and friends at school. God, I ask, Lord, that we would learn a lesson here today. God, that we would choose not to keep our sins and our faults to ourselves, but we would bring them to the light, that we would walk in the light, God, that our sins might be forgiven. And Lord, that we might have true fellowship with one another. God, do it in our community. Do it in our hearts. Build a family. Build a family, Jesus. If I could, as we close, just have either Gideon or Will come to the piano. And what I want to do is um,